This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get to uh, what Joe Missoula had to say yesterday, let's go to uh, Jay in North Carolina who wants to talk about Mac Jones' regression. Fourier, Jay, good morning. Good morning, folks. I hope everything's going well with you. Good. Uh, Bill O'Brien made a couple of comments about Mac Jones, but he neglected to mention that Dallas is a formidable opponent, and I mean formidable. With the next man up with Matt Judon, there is no next man up with the Patriots. At least I don't believe so. Mac Jones is used to winning. He's, he's had success in Alabama, but he, he had the supporting cast, which he doesn't have now. But the success of the Patriots rests solely upon the shoulders of the scouts. They've, it's their responsibility to provide Bill Belichick with, with NFL-worthy combatants, and I don't believe they've done it. Hold on. Jay, did you call the, the, uh, the morning show saying the exact same thing? No. No. I promise. No, I, I called to find out when you guys were on. That's all I called. Oh, oh all right, the Dex. Well, there you go. Uh, 10 all to right. 2. Good job. Friday. Good job there by uh, Jay. Look, I again, it's the overreaction coming off of a, of, a, of a bad loss. And the one thing that Jay did nail down in there is that the competition has been stiff, but it's also pretty stiff this week, too, in terms of New Orleans. And this New Orleans team is a group that wants to come in and play very similarly to the way the Patriots do. We'll get back into that at noon because there are a couple of looming questions around the Patriots and their offense, and one of them is centered around Taquan Thornton. We will get to that coming up at noon. But your old friend Joe Missoula talking on the uh, J.J. Reddick podcast, or the old man in the three, I think it's called. And um, he actually, he actually, they did this podcast. It wasn't very long. Right. It was uh, in his office. And in Missoula's office. In Missoula's office, yeah. Yeah, so not J.J. Reddick. Reddick's no, office. No, Reddick, yeah. uh, his office, I think, is bedroom. I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, his is at uh, ESPN in one yeah. of those uh, corner suites yeah. or something like that over there. Uh, well, let's get right to it in terms of Joe Missoula. Missoula talked with Reddick about the uh, Damian Lillard trade to Milwaukee and what it all means. He's a great player. They're a great team. We don't have time. Like we don't have time to worry about that. And here's why I say that: as a young coach taking over the way I did, I really I, I could say this. Like I really wanted the number one seed. Look how that turned out for the number one seed last year. So be careful what you ask for is what I would say. Like I spent a lot of time. Like man, we gotta get the one seed. Like we gotta get the one seed. Then we lost it, and I was like, ah. Oh, 
like we lost it. And then he was like, okay, well, then it ended up like, well, the one seed just went down to the eight seed. So like, and so you end up thinking like, you don't, you just don't know. Like, and I think like people don't say that enough. What if we would have got the one seed and lost to the eight seed? Like I probably wouldn't even be sitting here right now. So like, thank you God for like protecting us from the one seed. Coach, I had to tell you, but you did lose the eight seed. <laughs> I meant as the, as the one seed in the first round. No, no, no. You know what I mean? So like, it's be careful what you ask for. And you really don't know what you're, so like to, that really taught me something last year. It was like, look, there's so much at stake. I just don't have, I can't worry about what's going on around because then I'm losing sight of like what we actually have. Well, listen, I, thank God for that. I'm, I'm on board with that. What about you? Uh, I think it is the perspective the coaches gained with experience. I use the line. Yeah, what's that, important? What is well, it? Well, yeah, I used the line the other day uh, or yesterday with Mac. There are times where Mac Jones will major in minor things. And ultimately being the number one seed in the East was really a minor thing. And we've seen Mm -hmm. in the NBA that, yeah, home court can matter, but it's not exactly necessary. It's nice to have, but it isn't as necessary as it is in, say, the NHL, where you get the last change, or in the NFL, where if you're a team like New England or the New Yorks or Philadelphia, weather could end up being a factor that late in the year in January. And it's refreshing to hear. And it's also, I think, kind of common in terms of first-year head coach. It's the stuff that you think matters, and then you're two, three years down the road, and you're like, nah, in the grand scheme of things, I shouldn't have been worrying about that. That sounds like some introspective thought there from Joe Mazzulli. Yeah, and I, I know, like, for me, I was laboring over it. I was making it important because, you know, I since you can't control, this is something that you can physically control. You can control, like, you know, your last six games. And, you know, is it important to you? If you don't care, you don't play your starters. If you think, you know, I think at this time of year, like, since you know you're on a collision course with the Bucks, don't you think the number one seed would ultimately be important if you are playing them in the Eastern Conference Final and you go to a Game 7 and you can play them at home? Like, not that it's like, it's like oh, the be-all, end-all, but it would be nice to play at home with your with your fans, not have to travel, and have the benefit of that. Maybe, I, listen, it, may, it doesn't matter as much as, because noise isn't an issue on the road in basketball. Like, you can hear, there is no snap count. Well, and the Celtics have played plenty of playoff games where they've had to go win big games on the road. Remember, they won a big game, what, six it was, in Milwaukee to get it back here, what was that, two years ago, I think, or something like that. So, there. I, I don't worry about that as much. I think, in the way it used to be in the NFL, and you know this, you were on a 14-2 and two team that was still a number two seed and had yeah. to go on the road. You know what I mean? Like, that, th- those circumstances are a little different. I don't think it's as big a deal in the NBA, and I'm glad to hear Missoula kind of uh, shed some light into what he was thinking in the moment. Uh, Missoula and J.J. Redick talked about uh, one nightmare playing another nightmare team. We couldn't even control getting the one seed. Like we lost like two games and Milwaukee won 20 in a row. So like there was nothing we could have done. If you go through the season or these situations where it's like, oh, that trade makes them like better than us. Or like if we don't get the one seed, we're not going to the finals. It's like you don't know. You have no idea. What I do know is we've had the best month of preseason since I've been here from top to bottom of buy-in from like our top players, from buy-in of our second unit, from buy-in of our young guys, from our staff. Like when I, I 
tried to come in this gym as much as I could over the last month and a half. And it was just a different type of feeling. And so like, if I spend more time worrying about those things and not appreciating what we have, one, I'm doing the players a disservice. And two, like, I'm not going to be as effective at what we do. So like, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be a nightmare to play against. But my job is to make us a nightmare to play against too. And we'll see what happens when two nightmares play against each other. Woo! So like Freddy Krueger versus like uh, who? Jason? Yeah. Sure. Since they've done that before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Terminator great. versus, yeah. Yeah, um, I have no idea. I can give you the movie references. Oh, it's like uh, Forrest Gump against uh, Ron Burgundy. Sure. Great. My money's on there Forrest Gump. He just wins at everything. He wins at life. My biggest thing is like, so great. Everyone's excited. I wonder if that's because, um, you know, the additions or the, or because of the subtractions, right? Is Are they excited because they're, they're just a year older? And everybody realizes that, like, you know, what mistakes they made and how difficult last year was and how how green Joe Mazzula was. I just I wonder just how much of why is that? Because now we finally have it right. Like now everyone's got their money. Everybody's happy or everybody's like everybody's has another year. And now this time we're serious. Well, what's interesting is that Missoula said within the last month, he has been more present and in the gym and seeing these guys and all that. It feels like Missoula sort of gave him their space. Let him go do their thing. Some of it might just be eh, the old head coach checking in. You know how it goes. Hey, how hard you work this summer, Christian? You know, I could tell you look in pretty good shape. I put 11 you know, pounds on, coach. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, well, where'd you put those on, son? Did you put them on your ass? Did you put them on your thighs? Did you build in your upper body? We don't really, you know, hey, come here. Let me shake your hand and squeeze you and yeah. feel you up and stuff like Are that. Ray Charles. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like one of those. Absolutely. Woman. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Like, you know how those coaches are. So maybe there was a, a little bit of that. Here is a good one. What Joe Mazzula learned last year. For playoffs, that's where I struggle with a balance of like what analytics versus what makes sense for this game. The variance is going to take over at some point. Um, so I think balancing the analytics to like what's happening in this three game series um, is really, really important. And then, like you said, being able to have a curveball. I think, I think that's kind of like what goes into it. Uh, but you got to be able to live in that space for a little while and you got to be able to coach the emotion of your guys because they hear they see everything that's going on and sometimes the most uncomfortable thing is to do what you should do but if you were to look at our team over the last three years like what would you say our curveball was i don't think you had one exactly and so yeah that that's what i learned that one blew me away didn't have a curveball in the playoffs and now in looking at this roster is the curveball Porzingis? Yeah. That's what it feels it like, was. right? It was a big, uh, one of the best uh, big uh, three-point shooters in the league. Right. A guy that can stretch the hell out of the floor. You can attack. A bunch of good three-point shooters. I mean, this is before this, and he did this podcast. Before Drew Holiday. Before Drew Holiday. So he was even talking about, uh, I wasn't able to talk to him about that. But So before that, I think that is amazing with the talent that they had on that team. Now, because Rob William wasn't the he wasn't the the curveball. It's got to be Porzingis, has to be. And if you think about the way Denver is built, you know what is Jokic? He's a big who is really a point guard in a seven footer's body. In in many ways, in terms of Jokic. So I'm wondering if okay, Porzingis is the value brand version of Jokic. Like he's not as muscular. Well, everybody makes fun of Jokic, but 
He's a big bodied stout guy who could deal shredded. with some pounding. Yeah. He's, he's just not, not ripped. Yeah. Whereas Porzingis might look better in a basketball uniform, but the guy has broken down. But still, you end up matching up Jokic and Porzingis offensively. That is something to see. And I know Jokic is a better post passer. And Porzingis will definitely play outside the arc. And some have compared Porzingis to, like, Dirk more than Jokic. But it's all who is the biggest human that I can find that has the best skills that they have or that I can find to be able to match with a player that is that unique to be the curveball. Yeah, and I, and it is interesting just the overall. I do think that the biggest spotlight for me is Joe Mazzula. Mm-hmm. Because I do think he's a little kooky sometimes, and I just I wonder how the team kind of like takes to him and and is and do you really trust him at this point in time year two not to mess it up or is this is this is this whole Celtics team too big to fail right is it is it just so big and so just set up it's like it can't fail there's just too many weapons there's too many good players barring any crazy injury like a Gordon Hayward or something like that, knock on wood if you're, if you're with me. Like that type of situation, mm-hmm. they're so talented. How can they – even a coach can't screw this up because the, the young guys like the Tatums and the Browns, they're adults now as far as the NBA is concerned. Absolutely. And with the amount of playoff experience each of oh these guys God. have. It's like every year they're they've, they've vested been, veterans. They've, they've been through it, absolutely, no doubt. And finally, Joe Missoula – on the uh, podcast with J.J. Redick, uh, The Old Man and the Three, here is Missoula talking about replacing Marcus Smart. You don't replace it. I think that would be somewhat disrespectful to say. Like, the guy's a, he was a defensive player of the year. He's been the, uh, an anchor for our team for some time now. You don't replace it. You just reinvent. You just find new ways to be great. Like, there's not one way to be great. So the thing I learned is, like, out of the top five defenses, it's like Miami gives up the most above the break in corner threes. They're top in defense every year. We give up the least. We're top in defense every year. So there's never one way to be great. I think you have to build a mindset and then you have to build a system which what works for your roster. And so there's no like coming in saying we got to replace this guy. It's like, no, we got to reinvent to what our roster is. But we have to also, you know, develop an identity and a mindset of what that's going to look like. I wasn't as hard on Missoula as others were, but I got to tell you, listening to this guy, it's refreshing to hear what he learned mm-hmm. because it also drove home the point that I was on last year, which is he was thrown into a near impossible situation. Little head coaching experience, other guys walking around with his hammer hanging out all the time. They get rid of him, and then it's, hey, you, come on, slide over. You're the guy. And it's good to know that Joe Missoula went through it in the way that a player would have last year. And what I mean by that is we just talked about the Tatum-Brown sort of experience in the postseason. Those guys are at like 100 games or pushing 100 games or just over it, whatever it is. And it's good to know that even though it was 20-whatever playoff games that Joe Missoula was around for and actually had to coach in, that there was a lot of learning that went on there because it was an unfortunate situation in which he kind of got thrown into. Yeah, and I love that last bit with the with the stats, you know, and how he's just like in the end, like what does it mean? Like you, if you chase there are different stats, ways to get there, yeah, right? If you chase. Stats it's a Belichick live, theory in a yeah, lot of ways, is it not? I know, and it comes down like you know, should I, should I listen to the stats? Should I listen to my gut? Should I just follow what my eyes are telling me to do? You know, and then if I am going to switch, when do I switch? 
Like to me, yes. I mean, talk about like he had a like a you know a career's worth of 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 just learning in that one season. How he was just forced to kind of develop, figure it out, and just learn on the fly. So listen, hopefully the team benefits from it. Like because the expectations think, are championship or bust. Do you have a uh, do you have a different feel about Missoula this year than last year? Well, I can, my issues like. I mean, I guess, like, uh, I'm still, like, not sold on the Missoula as a long-term answer, personally. I'm still not sold on it. I think it'd be really hard for the worst coach to screw this up with the with the players and the rosters that they have. I think they're just so self-driven and self-motivated. And the youngest guys, your highest-paid, most important players, want it more than anybody. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be easy for them to drag everybody along with them. So just don't – and that's my biggest question. Is it possible for him to screw this up? Like I said, his whole mentality, I want 50-plus three-pointers. Everyone's shooting three-pointers. Shoot them, shoot them, shoot them, shoot them. Like, is that really going to be the mantra moving forward? I, I, I'm still – I'm not – personally, I'm not sold. It kind of feels like it is going to be the mantra moving forward. Yeah, I don't think he's changing his philosophy. Is he going to take more timeouts now? Like, somebody ask him about well, that. Well, you know what? But here's the thing. Brad Stevens is clearly in lockstep. Well, because he's building the team to support it. Exactly. And where does that and where does that come from? Now, maybe some of it comes from the mind of the coach that is in Brad Stevens still, but a lot of it's got to be in concert with Missoula. And I do think you're reacting to what's going on around you. Again, Denver wins the championship. What do they have? A unique matchup big. Go get a unique matchup big in Porzingis. You see Lillard go to Milwaukee. Brad Stevens turns around and gets Drew Holiday. Like he's reacting to what the championship teams are doing. And at last check, and I know this is on Sportsbook Rhode Island, it was Milwaukee 4-1. to one. So really Milwaukee plus 400. Celtics were plus 450. And Denver was plus 475 in terms of winning the championship. Those are the three teams that everybody is just honing in and focused on. Phoenix would then be next, but they're like seven and a half to one or something like that. I mean, it was like 15 to two or whatever. So however that all breaks down. But it's really those top three teams. And the Celtics in Milwaukee have kind of elevated. And then it comes down to who's going to win the battle of coach. Because remember, Coach Bud, gone. Now it's Adrian Griffin. You ready for some Adrian Griffin coach breakdown? I am.